<clears throat> we shall come to a time of reflection in a few moments. So just join me in a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. Father, I pray and I ask that you would be with us tonight. Whenever I say be with us, Lord, I ask for you to be present with us tonight, Lord. Not in that warm feeling, per se, but in truth. We might experience warmth. We might have a shudder of chills. We might be met in our sorrow and our grief. Be met in our failure and futility. Be met in our longing and our hope. We want you to really, truly be with us. Lord, I pray and I ask that tonight as we do, take this cup and take this bread, that we will surely do so in remembrance of Jesus. Might we not think of ourselves, look at what I'm doing. Might we not think, I wonder what other people are doing on this Friday night. Here we are gathered, arrogant. Might we remember Jesus, truly, from our heart. Might we remember the beauty of his life promise of his life, rejected, cursed, abused. Might we remember he did this because he loved us. And not us in the small sense of us as Friends of the Baptist Church, though that is true, but us as the entire cosmos. Lord, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty, crucified, risen, name of Jesus. Amen. As a uh, child growing up in my house, um, I was always quick to try to ease tense situations. I would try to do something silly or stupid to break people's attention from whatever was causing the tension, right? So if it was anger and there was a fight going on, I would come in and do something silly. If there was, not that there was ever fighting in my house is what I mean. Um, yeah, just us kids were fighting. Um, Mom seems to have forgotten who Rick Austin was and who she was when they were married. 
he's become lionized in his death. Uh, they, they must have had, you know, uh, I was the one who was always quick to do this. I would, my mom would always say, you, the way that she recalls it is I was the one who was always trying to lighten the mood. Now, sometimes this was welcome. Many times, this was an intrusion. Have you ever been so mad, and you and you're happy with being mad sometimes, right? Don't don't get, don't don't don't, don't play like you don't get like I just want to stay mad right now. You ever get mad, and then somebody's trying to ease your your anger, and you're like, now I'm just mad at you. And whether it's like anger, um, fear, sometimes if you're afraid, you want to break that tension. Sorrow. You might not have been like me and done silly, stupid things to break the tension, but you've been in those situations where you're looking for a release, a pressure release valve. Sometimes we just, guilt can do it too, shame. Sometimes we just shake it off, right? Because you don't have me to be silly and stupid for you. (laughs) None of us can really just sit in the tension all the time. Whatever is creating One time, Shayla Marie was over at our house, my house, and my wife's house, and our family's house, and uh, Brittany and I got into an, a heated discussion, and Shayla, <laughs> it was a very emotional situation for her, and it was very awkward for her, because it's always awkward whenever two people are having a heated discussion, especially a married couple, and you're going, why am I here? And why are they doing this in front of me? And Shayla went, and uh, I think, I I don't know where, Josh wasn't over yet or something, but Darren was there, and she went to Darren, she said, should we leave? And Darren was like, no, because he's been around for a while. (laughs) And uh, Darren lived with us for like six months. He was like, no, it just happens. They'll be okay. But she went and like, we, this broke the tension of that whole night to the pantry. She was hiding there. <laughs> uh, to come out. And then Brittany and I, we were just like, we're, this is dumb. You know, what are we doing? When we, like, thinking about the cross creates a tension for us. Thinking about the need for the cross creates this tension. And if we're not careful, especially 
us in 21st century, very affluent America. If we're not careful, we will break that tension all too easily. It's Friday, and even Brother Mitch said it, and, and, and I have it on my last slide uh, as we leave. It's Friday, but what is coming? But Sundays are coming. But it's not Sunday. It's Friday. Sunday's not here yet. Now it's come, so we know. But we are invited to remember Jesus' death. As often as we partake in the elements, we should be remembering Jesus' death. Speaking to the church at Corinth, Paul had to remind them about Jesus' death. There was a lot of things that they got mixed up because they didn't fully remember Jesus' death. Whether they thought that it was a spiritualized, you know, situation, or they have an over-spiritualized understanding of their own resurrected selves, Meaning that they, they, they might have thought, hey, we've already attained to the salvation that we're hoping in. And Paul would say, no, we're hoping in salvation. We're hoping in that day that Jesus returns. We're hoping that one day our bodies will come out of the graves and we will be raised to new life. We haven't attained to that yet. Or whether they, like us, Just get uncomfortable a little bit when we talk about death. Do you know that you can't buy a sympathy card that says, we're sorry for the death of your loved one? Because we don't say death in sympathy cards. We celebrate people's lives, and people's lives are worthy to be celebrated. But we dare not talk of their death as though it's not a reality. Hebrews says it's a reality for all of us. It is appointed unto men, human beings, men and women, to die. Once to die, and after that, the judgment. Paul had to remind the Corinthians what his message was. They didn't like it, so they weren't Really remembering it. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 1. He says. What we preach. What our message is. Verse 23. Is Christ crucified. And unto the Jews. This is a stumbling block. The Greek word that he uses there. Is scandalizo. It's a scandal. It's scandalous. To call your Messiah Crucified. 
And unto the Greeks, it's utter foolishness. It doesn't add up. Your, your king died on a cross? Or to put it another way, your king was not valiant in battle and didn't destroy all of his enemies? Hmm. Some king you have there. Tell me, tell me more about him, please. I'd love to hear this. This is rich. So tonight, the simple word that I have for us is let's not break the tension. we read through some texts, remember the story. And as the Holy Spirit of God meets with you, don't shake it off. Don't let your mind wander to something silly or stupid or some schedule. Let's do this in remembrance of Jesus. Let's do this in remembrance. Not only of the fact that he died, but how he died. Let's do this in remembrance for all the many reasons why he died. Why did people want to hurt him? Why was he willing to do it? And let's, let's not break the tension ourselves. Let's be open to the spirit of God to hover over the tension. Just as the spirit of God hovered over the waters in the very, very beginning. With that, Will you join me in either reading along with and or just attuning your ears to some scripture? We've read this several times over the last few weeks. But it's necessary again. Isaiah chapter number 50. The servant of Isaiah upon whom the spirit rested the one who we know for whatever the servant was whenever this was who it was addressed to in the day that it was addressed originally 
They didn't know that this was really talking about Jesus. But we know. So let's hear these not just as the words of the servant of Isaiah. Let's hear these as the words of Jesus. This is his resolve. The Lord hath given me, this is Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth me morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the Lord, as they learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. He opened my ear to the way in which he wanted me to go. Sometimes whenever I think about Jesus praying, nevertheless, not my will, but thou wilt be done. One of the key things that I think we have to keep in mind is whenever Jesus talks about God's desire and God's will in that context, it is, how do you want me to do this? Do you want me to fight back? Do you want me to resist? When they call me names, do you want me to call them names back? And this, I find, is where Jesus would go, no, I know exactly what way in which you want me to do this. Because Isaiah 50 has been revealed, written, testified. I will not be rebellious to this way. I will give my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them who want to pluck out my hair. I will not hide my face from shame and spitting. I won't do what this world does whenever all those things happen. Why? Because I'm going to trust that the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Let's fight, if you will. And by fight, it means give me your best shot. I can take it. That's where that 80s song came from, just so that we know. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, look, they shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. In chapter 51, he calls all of his disciples to say, why are you going to be worried about those people who are going to get eaten up like garments by moths? You don't need to be afraid of them. Now, if you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 52. We'll begin in verse number 13. The servant is not speaking here. The Lord gives an address in the first few verses. And then the people, the people who understand now who the servant is, who Jesus is, are testifying. And they're testifying afterhand about what happened to him, what they thought of him. As we read this, I'd invite you to think and consider, what do you think about Jesus? 
what might you have thought about Jesus in that day? Maybe some of you weren't like me and you weren't saved at five years old. You didn't have Jesus, Jesus, Jesus from the womb on up. He wasn't always a hero and a good guy in your life. What did you think about Jesus before you met Jesus? What do you think about Jesus now? How much have you grown to know, to understand Jesus more? The Lord speaks and he says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many as were astonished at thee, why were they astonished? Because his visage was so marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Just as many were astonished at thee, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. They'll say things like this. Who's believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we shall desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we didn't think very highly of him. Surely, he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But, we've learned differently. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet, he opened not his mouth. Like Peter says, Though reviled, he reviled not again. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Join me in Matthew's Gospel. And we will pick up verse number 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray yonder. 
And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell down on his face and he prayed. I would like to invite you to consider how you think of his prayer. For so long, I thought that's a pious prayer. Oh, Father, if it be thy will, you have to say it with an English accent. Let this cup pass from me. And the Lord had to reveal to me, that's probably not the best way for you to think about that, Macaulay. My son wasn't being pious right here. My son knew he was about to turn his back to the smiter. Look, he, he had endured some insults. People had been talking bad behind his back. He knew people were plotting for his life. He had to run away a few times whenever they tried to snag him. But now, it's the acceptable time that God is going to offer his son for a covenant to the people. And he knows this cup is not one I want to bear. I don't want to drink this cup. So, I no longer read it as a pithy, pious prayer, but as a desperate prayer from a desperate son to his loving father. Oh, Daddy. Is it possible to let this cup pass from me? Is this really going to happen to me, Dad? If it can't pass from me, I'll do it just like Isaiah 50 says. I'll turn my back to the smiters. I'll offer my cheeks to them who spit in my face and who pluck out my beard. I'll do that for you, Dad. For the sake of this world, I will do that. I'll do that because I know you love me and you won't suffer your Holy One to decay and decomposition 
in the ground. I know that this degradation and dehumanization that I'm about to face is only for a moment. But it's not going to be a short moment. He prayed this and prayed this and prayed this for an extended period of time. And then he went back to his friends because he knew that they were there for him. They had just told him. They had just said, hey, though everybody abandons you, we will never abandon you. One of his favorites, this wily character, sometimes he says things that he shouldn't say. He said that he wouldn't even deny him. If it cost him his life. And he comes back from the place that he told them to be praying, and he finds them. Sleeping. I don't think he comes over there and goes, hey guys, you all right? You couldn't even pray for an hour? You just told me that you wouldn't even abandon me. You said you wouldn't deny me. And you're telling and right now I'm coming and you couldn't pray for an hour. And guess what? When you're good enough friends with some people, you can get you can get that way and you know that there's love. That that right there is not an act of hatred. Listen, guys, you need to pray. It's not just for me that you're praying. You're pray that you don't enter into temptation. And he goes away and he prays again. They come and they arrest him. Because one of his friends betrays him. And as they arrest him, picking up in Matthew twenty six fifty one, it says, Behold, one of them which was with Jesus struck out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, smote off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, put away your sword. Don't tempt me with that thing. I'm supposed to turn my back to the smiters. And you're supposed to be with me. Put up again the sword in its place, for all they that take the sword shall die with the sword. 
Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? My brothers and my sisters, we know that he went from the garden to the judgment hall. He was falsely accused. And he went from the judgment hall to see Pilate. And Pilate tried to get him to give an answer for this, something that Pilate could use to say, hey, this guy's innocent. But he kept his mouth shut. He was willing to suffer everything that he had coming. Everything that they wanted to throw at him. Pilate acted in weakness. Tried to pawn him off to Herod. Hey, maybe Herod will make, make maybe Herod. He goes to Herod. And Herod's soldiers hear this claim that, oh, he wants to be king of the Jews. And they, they put a, crown, a, a robe on him and a crown of thorns on his head and a piece of a stick in his hand. They beat him up. They mock him. And Herod, after he has his fun with him, like the kings of this world do, he tosses him out. Pilate gives another opportunity for the group, the people. What do you want me to do with him? I've scourged him. That's not enough. We want you to crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Though the Romans used crucifixion, they did not talk about crucifixion. You don't have a lot of dinner conversation where you talk about the electric chair, do you? And I know like in early 20th century, in the 19th century, people would gather at the gallows to see public hangings. But you and I are so far removed from any such thing. And even though people would gather at the gallows, they didn't do that. They didn't do that for a picnic. It was a reminder. They either wanted to see people dead who needed to be dead because they wanted vengeance. Or they wanted to be reminded and they wanted to remind the community, this is what happens when you break the law. They knew that crucifixion was not dinner conversation material. They knew that crucifixion was not something that a Roman citizen got to, had to ever endure. Only slaves endured, and foreigners endured such things as crucifixion. They knew that crucifixion meant that he would be suffering in agony. 
outside the city gate as people came and went, that he would be left there to be humiliated and mocked. Completely dehumanized. And so he did. Pilate gave in to the whim of the people so that he could protect the peace of Rome. And Jesus suffered and died on the cross. We know that on the cross he said multiple things, but the thing that sticks out to all of us is, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. When he went to that cross, as I said earlier, he went unjustly. He went to that cross and it was a place of suffering. He went to that cross. It was a place of shame, dehumanization, degradation. He went to that cross and he went obediently. He went to that cross and he went sacrificially. He went to that cross and he went faithfully. My brothers and my sisters, tonight, we remember that before he went to that cross, he said, I don't want you to forget the cross. So that you don't forget the cross, I'm going to give you a meal. That you can eat, and every time you eat this meal, just like, just like you were kids growing up, Jewish boys and girls, eating this Passover meal, and you were remembering the Exodus, I'm going to give you a new meal to remember your deliverance. Your rescue from shame, your rescue from suffering, your rescue from injustice, your rescue from all that the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world can throw at you, your rescue from the slavery of sin. And at in this meal, every time you eat it, and every time you drink this cup, you're going to remember the cup that I drank, the cross that I bore, suffering I endured, the shame I took upon me, the sin, the sinful people who in violence, violence and rage committed me to the cross. So my brothers and my sisters, I invite us this evening as we partake of this meal to fully remember the cross.
He gave the bread. You can help her, Rachel. gave the bread and he said take meat this is my body broken for you he blessed the bread father thank you for this bread that it symbolizes reminds us presents us with the reality of Jesus, the reality of his suffering death. We take this in remembrance of him. My brothers and my sisters, take, eat. took the cup and he blessed the cup. Father, we take this cup because Jesus took the cup. Thank you that Jesus took the cup. We take this cup Asking you that you would strengthen us to take the cup. Thank you for this cup. But we know it's not an easy cup to drink. Give us the strength to drink this cup, Lord. As you gave your son Jesus. This is the cup. The blood. Of the new testament. The new covenant. My brothers and my sisters. Take. Drink. said it in my prayer just now but it's necessary this cup and this bread that we have just taken is not that which we are just called to receive something that Jesus did for us but that which we are called 
to give ourselves. To give ourselves to others. To love others. In all the ways that Paul defines love in 1 Corinthians, patient, kind, selfless, meek, gentle. Heritable. In all the ways that Jesus exemplified love, welcoming people who are different than you, not holding their differences against them, sitting at the table of people who you know despise you. Teaching people who are eager and hungry to learn. Heralding to people whose ears are dull. Feeding people who are hungry. He loved. And he ultimately loved by giving down, laying down his life for us. So we are called. It's a summons. Not just to receive the cup that he drank, but to drink the cup ourselves. So as we go from this place, and we do this in remembrance of Jesus, may we also do this as a summons. To live like Jesus. With that I say, Amen. May we all go resting in the tension until Sunday does come. Amen.